Take your Bibles with me. Let's continue in this series in Luke chapter 18, series on parables, stories that make us stop, act, and think, stories that illustrate profound truths that are actually themselves very simple. So I, like many of you, was up late last night bailing some water. That was a lot of rain, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. But I had a Cliff Bar and a Red Bull, and I'm ready to go in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. You ready? All right, I want you to hear this, Sailorville. Listen to me. Nobody, nobody is too bad to enter the kingdom of God. Nobody is too far gone to enter the kingdom of God. Nobody is too vile, done too many bad things. The worst of the worst can be brought into the kingdom of God. No one is too bad to enter it. But yet, some may be too good. Some may be too good to enter the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, he told this parable to some who trusted in their own righteousness and looked on others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed to God thus, Thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I am thankful that I am not an extortioner. I am not unjust, adulterer, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I tithe a tenth of all that I get. Hmm. But the tax collector standing far off, would not lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, that man went to his, his house justified and not the other. For whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Oh God, I pray that we would be good listeners today, that we would listen to your word, it would go into our ears, and you'd take it into our hearts and cause us to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus surveys his crowd. He knows his audience. He knows who he's talking to. And he's looking out at a bunch of people who were trusting their own righteousness. That is trusting their own goodness to be right with God or to enter the kingdom of God. And when you trust yourself, your own goodness, naturally a result of that becomes that you start to look down on other people. So Jesus, perceiving this, tells a story about two very familiar characters. One of them was held in highest of honor in the community and among the Jews, and that was a Pharisee. And the other was held in the lowest of lowest honor, and that being a tax collector. And Jesus tells them a parable, and he flips everything on its head like Jesus loves to do, and shows that some of you actually might be too good, deceiving yourself and missing the kingdom of God. And he warns us that when we compare ourselves to other people and not him, we'll miss it 
And also, if we do know God, we'll live in great defeat, comparing ourselves to others rather than God himself. So Jesus tells us this first person is the Pharisee, the one that is too good for the kingdom. The word Pharisee actually means separatist. They prided themselves in being separate from the world and devoted to living out God's law. They were held in highest of honor among the people. You would look at a Pharisee walking down the road and be like, wow, there is a Pharisee. Someday, I think it'd be awesome if one of those guys came to one of my parties at my house. And if they did, you would give up your seat for them and you would hold them in highest esteem. They were dedicated and devoted their whole lives to being good, had the first five books of the Bible memorized. And this guy walks into the temple. And just like if someone that was really godly, the epitome of what it looks like to be a Christian person, this Pharisee would have walked into the temple and everybody would have wanted to talk to him. How are you doing? How are things going? Teach me how to be a better follower of God. And he starts off by showing them how a righteous person, how a good person, a godly person, prays to God, and he walks out in front of everybody and begins to pray, turning his face towards heaven. And if you want to be too good for the kingdom of God, here's the first thing you got to do. You have to thank God for yourself. Thank God for yourself. He says, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Everyone else is a liar, hates justice. If they have a spouse, they're definitely cheating on them. You see what he's doing? He's giving glory to God for himself. That is not God, but he. See, self-righteousness can often be disguised as words of gratitude. Don't you find that to be true? Oh, I'm so grateful for, to you, God, for how awesome I am. And it can sound really humble and really godly, but it's often a way that we mask our self-righteousness. Oh, he's addressing God, but he's talking about himself. It's a very me-centered prayer. He actually uses the personal pronoun I five times in this very short prayer. He's saying, hey, God, I love you. Now let me tell you all about me. Don't you love that when you're in a conversation with somebody and they say, hey, how are you doing? And then they tell you all about themselves. They don't really know how you're, want to know how you're doing. I love it when someone does that. Not really, but we're all, we all do it, don't we? Every single one of us is like, let me get to this person then so I can tell them all about me. And this is what he's doing in prayer. He's addressing God, but talking about himself. And this is deceiving because he's praying. Now, that's a godly thing to do, isn't it? But even in our most godliest moments, we can be doing them for ourselves, puffing up our egos, and making us feel better. Thank God for yourself is the first thing you can do to be too good for the kingdom of God. Secondly, judge your life by the standard of others. Judge your life by the standard of others. He continues, thank God that I'm not like other men, even this tax collector. He's calling out people in the midst of his prayer, looking over at somebody and saying, thank God that I'm not like that guy. Wow, that guy is ridiculous and he is not like me. And as you can imagine, this Pharisee has a thank God that I'm not like them list. 
And as he's walking around the marketplace and through the temple, he's adding people to his list. I'm better than that guy. Ooh, way better than that guy. That guy's pretty good, but I'm still better than he is. Right? And each one of us, whether we would verbalize it or not, maybe we would to our closest friends, but we all have this list. This list of where we're keeping tally of who we are better than. And it's so, it's, have you ever noticed that it's always people that it's easier for you to be better than that are on that list, right? It's always like the worst. That's why he's saying the tax collector, thanks God that I'm not like them. He goes to the lowest of low and he says, you are on my thank God that I'm not like you list. And we all have it. We love to present ourselves in our minds anyway of the perfect model of balance, don't we? You look at that guy, man, he's addicted to his phone. I have a phone, but I don't have an issue like he does. Man, he's overweight. That lady's obsessed with fitness. I've got a perfect balance. It doesn't take over my life, but I'm still healthy. That guy is stingy. Man, that guy is so wasteful. I am a great steward of my money. That guy is obsessed with sports. I mean, I like sports just as much as the next guy, but he's obsessed. Oh, man. That guy's a workaholic. I work hard too, but get, I'm not lazy like that guy is. That guy, he's way too strict with his kids. He gives his kids way too much freedom. I have the perfect balance. You see, when we, as imperfect people, compare ourselves to other imperfect people, we can always find someone that makes us look good in our own eyes. And when we look good in our own eyes, we miss the kingdom of God, thinking that we are in, but in God's eyes, we are out. Thirdly, keep a record of all your good deeds. Keep a record of all your good deeds. He continues with his prayer. Thank God I'm not like this tax collector. In fact, I actually tie the tenth of everything that I have. Good thing to do, right? In fact, the Old Testament scriptures would have told him to do that. He says, I even fast twice a week. Now here's the thing. There's no doubt that the Pharisee was doing these things. All the things that he was saying was true of his life. He wasn't making it up. The problem was he was looking to that list of things that he was doing in order to be good in the sight of God. He was looking at them to earn greater credit, to earn greater favor with God, and Jesus is going around exposing these guys all the time, and they hate him for it. Well, my grandfather was older. He's with the Lord now, but he used to be very frugal. He was actually frugal his whole life. And after grandma passed, he started saving his styrofoam cups. He would wash them out and reuse them again. Some of you are like, what's wrong with that, right? And I remember there was one time where he gave us a styrofoam cup that looked like he had just taken it out of the bag. And my brother John was drinking out of it, and he just starts crying. He's young. He's like, oh, I can't drink this, Grandpa. He's like, oh, stop it. Just drink it. And he's like, there's coffee stains all through this cup. Can't you get me a clean one? And Grandpa says, everything's fine on that cup. Sure, on the outside, but on the inside, it was disgusting. And Jesus said to them, he said to the Pharisees, he says, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. He's saying, that's your life. You think it's all about the externals. 
how you look on the outside, even how you look before me, but I'm concerned about what's going on in your heart, what you're looking to to be right with me. They had outwardly deceived themselves. MacArthur tells us the law was supposed to reveal sin, and it still does. They used the law to, to make themselves worthy of thinking of being accepted by God. They sincerely kept the law. Listen, entering the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your sincerity. You can be so sincere about good works and being a good person, but it will never get you in even if you're the most sincere, kind, compassionate person ever in God's kingdom, that's not how it works. See, in the mind of the Pharisee, he thought that he could be good enough, but his goodness was actually keeping him out of the kingdom of God. He was accepted by men, but he was rejected by God. And the text makes that very clear. It says, this one, the tax collector, he was justified, not the other man. He was rejected by God himself, even though he was really good. So if your goodness can keep you out of the kingdom of God by deceiving you about what that's what that's all about, how can we actually be good enough to enter it? Let's look at verse 13 and 14 one more time. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift his eyes toward heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we're introduced to this second person, the tax collector. Now, the animosity that people felt towards the Samaritan that we looked at last week might have even been worse towards a tax collector. They put a tax collector on the same level as an unclean animal. Like, they compared him to pork, okay? Some of you are like, bacon, that's not a bad thing. No, this was not a good thing. They're not allowed to eat it. It was unclean. He was a Jew who was a traitor to the Jewish people because he collected taxes for Rome, and he made his money by collecting more than what he needed to collect and then would keep that money after giving what he owed to Rome. So they hated him for it. They were terrible guys. They had to go into this occupation already knowing that they were going to be cheats and that people were going to hate them. And they didn't care because they loved the riches that were going to come from it. Yet Jesus says he, not the Pharisee, was justified, declared right with God. So what do we need to do in order to be good enough to enter God's kingdom? First, you need to realize you're not good enough to enter God's kingdom. You need to first realize you're not good enough to enter God's kingdom. The, Pharise the, the tax collector goes into the crowd and doesn't draw attention to himself, but goes a long ways off. He doesn't lift his eyes toward heaven. He has an accurate view of who he is before God a broken, messed up sinner, unworthy of approaching God. That's the first step to entering the kingdom of God is knowing that you're unworthy to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, the Greek actually says here, the, the English says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Greek actually says, he's crying out and he's saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. When it comes to sinners, I am the perfect example of one. It's me. I need your mercy. 
See, you had to realize, first of all, your need for a savior. That's what the Pharisee refused to see. He saw himself as his own savior. Jesus tells us his need for him. He's all about showing us that we're sick, we need him. That's why he says in Luke chapter five, he says in Levi, that is his, the apostle Matthew, made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large community of who? Tax collectors and other sinners that were reclining at the table with them. And who didn't like it, do you suppose? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at the disciples saying, why do you eat? That is, why do you want to be friends and say that you want to have fellowship and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but instead those who are sick. I've come to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says, I haven't come to call those who think they're good to go, but those who know that they're not. That's who I've come to save. I mean, you don't go to the dentist if you don't have to, right? So the other day, I had a terrible toothache. I mean, it was awful. Like, the whole mouth is just, oh, man, I can't even describe it. You know what it feels like, though. You've had one. And I'm not one that's looking to go to the dentist. I don't find it all that relaxing, right? But I tell you what, I, when this toothache became unbearable, I called the dentist and said, I will do whatever it takes for you to get me in that chair today. And I was willing and more excited to have a root canal done than I was to have the pain that was in my mouth at the time. See, because I knew that I needed help. I knew there was pain in my life, and the only way to have it cured was to go to someone who could help it. And Jesus says, you have to realize that you're sick. You have to realize that you're dead in your sin, and that's the first step of coming into the kingdom of God, not measuring yourself by the other standards, but by mine, seeing you fallen short of him, and when you see your need, you call on me for mercy. You call on me for mercy. That's the second one of entering and being good enough for the kingdom of God. He didn't present God with his list of good deeds because he didn't have one. He didn't have any good deeds to offer Jesus. He knew that he was a swindler, a cheat, an adulterer. He was owning up to all of it by calling upon God for his mercy. That's why he says, I'm approaching you, God, on your merits Mercy meaning to hold back what you do deserve. He says, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Would you hold back the punishment that I deserve? And this wasn't something new. This wasn't something just in the New Testament. Jesus hadn't died yet. This has been the story throughout the entire Bible, that people are not saved by law-keeping. They are not being right with God by observing and doing good things. In fact, Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 9, he's praying and he says, God, we do not present our pleas before you because of our goodness, because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. That's the only way you're able to approach God. It's always been that way. It is now, and it always will be that way. Undeserving, broken sinners. That's why Jesus says, whoever humbles himself will be exalted in the kingdom of God. And this tax collector, he was rejected by men, but accepted by God. Some of us this morning, you sitting out there, 
are still pursuing God and his kingdom like that Pharisee. Thinking that my goodness will make me worthy. I know I'm not perfect, but eventually it's all going to work out and I'm going to be worthy enough to be forgiven by God. The Pharisee knew that he hadn't been perfect. He just thought he was worthy enough now to be accepted by God. Yet you need to realize, just like the Pharisee did, that you can never be good enough. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 20, he says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds, that is, goes beyond that of the Pharisee and the scribes, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Now, the people would have heard that and be like, then who can enter? Because they are the best. No one has a chance And so Jesus tells them, he says, listen, just as Paul figured out himself, a former Pharisee, when he realized this, even his good needs that were filthy rags could never measure up, he says this in Philippians 3, and being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that's what he was looking to, his own goodness to get righteousness, but which comes through faith. In Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He knew that even Paul, who was probably better than anyone else in this room, he says, it could never make me right with God. I could never be right with him by observing and being a good person. He says, I had to have a righteousness that comes not from me, but from somebody else. And so the only way into the kingdom of God is to not present to God your own righteousness, but to come to God in his. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sakes he became sin, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So you acknowledge that you're not good enough. You cry out to God for mercy. And when Christ died on the cross, he took your sin upon himself and through faith alone and by his grace, he gives you all his goodness. He gives it all to you. That's what it means to be justified, to be declared righteous as you stand before God in the righteousness of Christ and not your own. Realize you're not good enough and call out to God for mercy and be saved this morning. Now, this text has many implications for believers as well. I mean, think about just the church implications, right? If really the entrance into the kingdom of God is not being good enough but acknowledging you're not, shouldn't we be a church, and I believe we are, but even more a church that is welcoming to sinners? that welcomes them where they're at and telling them about a savior who doesn't want them to stay there, but to enter into his kingdom. Not to be people walking around who have it all together and knowing they don't and acting like they do and looking down on other people, but saying, hey, we're in this together. Broken sinners serving a perfect God. That's why Augustine, I love the quote from him that says, the church of God should not be a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. A place where broken people can come, hear about the great physician Jesus, and be healed. So it's not about just huddling up here and finding our own people groups and shutting people out. It's looking for people who are broken, drawing them in, experiencing the same grace that we have experienced. You know, this, this parable makes us stop. It makes us think and act, and it makes us question ourselves. 
Let me ask you this morning, believer, do you have a thank God I'm not like them list? You do, because I do. I've got one. I'm not going to show it to you. I'm not going to show you who's on it, but I have one. It's none of you in this room. They're all in the third service, okay? (laughs) But we have a thank God that I'm not like them list because it's so easy to fall back into this, oh, I'm worthy. Look how good I am now. I read my Bible five times a week. I do this, I do that, and this person, wow, they're not measuring up to where I'm at. Get rid of that list. Throw it away. Remind yourself of the gospel, that you're not worthy. The only reason you are is because of Christ. Be reminded of God's grace and take that list and burn it every day. Every day, it's not a one-time act, it's every single day of waking up and dying to yourself and acknowledging Christ and his grace in your life. Secondly, are you constantly comparing there are good godly people to compare ourselves to, to strive to be like, but I'm not talking about that kind of comparing. I'm talking about the kind of comparing that leads to pride or despair. Because you look at other people and you think, wow, I'm doing so much better than they are. And you give yourself a false sense of godliness because you're producing in you, in your heart, things that you think are godliness but have nothing to do with how the Bible describes godliness because you're just comparing it to someone else. Or you despair. I'll never measure up to that person. I'll never measure up to how good they are, their perfect house, everything that they have all together, their Instagram stories are beautiful, they're always doing their Bible studies with coffee. Oh, I'll never be like that person. I'll never defeat, I'll never get over the sins that are in my life and you begin to despise that person. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians the futility of how dumb it is to compare to each other. He says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves by one another, they do so without understanding. Speaking of these apostles that compare, these fake apostles that were comparing to one another, and he says, they, they don't understand what they're doing, and neither do we. Stop comparing. Instead, compare yourself to Jesus. That's who you should be comparing yourself to. And how do you compare yourself to him? By looking into the law of his word. By spending time with him daily. And every time that you put your life up against Jesus' life, you lose every time. Every time you lose. But then you're given that great hope of the gospel that when I don't measure up, Christ has met the standard for me. And what should our response be to that? To know that I can't do anything to be right with God. He's done it all for me. My response should be gratitude. Overflowing gratitude in my life. And holiness. Holiness, a a life that's devoted to God. A life that's devoted to him, not to earn approval from him, but because I already have it. Because I already possess it. So I pursue holiness. And it would lead us to sing to sing out. Some of us come in this room and we, we base upon how we worship by how we did that week, right? You know what I'm talking about? We come in and if we had a great week, I mean, we've got praise flags and we've got all kinds of stuff. We're ready to get our worship on, right? 
Well, man, I've done so well this week. Praise the Lord. And there's other times where it's like, oh, I failed in every area this week. I'm not worthy to approach Christ. You're not worthy to approach Christ the week before either when you were awesome. That's the whole point. The tax collector, when he was justified, it was right then and forever. He can't grow more in how, and being right with God. You can't grow in justification. You can't become more accepted by God. It happens in that moment and forever. So we always come and approach Christ and worship him in his merits and not our own, and we sing out with gratitude, knowing that we don't measure up. When we've fallen from his standard, and yet these elements at the Lord's table that we observed this morning, they're a reminder of that. They tell us the reason that we observe this is because we as human beings don't measure up. We've sinned. We've missed God's glorious standard. And these tell us that he met the standard for us and died in our place, substituted himself, took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be right with him. Not a righteousness that comes from our own selves, from observing the law, but being found in Christ and a righteousness that comes through faith. So won't you trust him this morning? Won't you believe in him? You can't be good enough. You never will be. Won't you rest in the mercy and grace of God and say, I give up and I'm trusting you, Jesus? If you do, that's how you're good enough to enter the kingdom of God. The king has to make you that way and he's willing to do so. This time is for believers. This is for those that have done what I just said, placed their faith and their trust in Christ. This is a time for us to observe these elements, to think about our relationship with God. As we look at the bread together, we look at the, what represents the perfect life of Christ, his body that was given for us, the spotless lamb of God. And we hold up our lives against his and we say, God, would you reveal places to me that I don't measure up to your standard? And we confess, we repent. And the juice shows us that Jesus Christ substituted himself for us. And when we didn't measure up, his perfect sacrifice on the cross forgave us of that. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Forgave us of our sins. And so some of us this morning... Don't need to repent of sin, but repent of your good that you've done for all the wrong reasons. To repent of not your unrighteousness, but your self-righteousness. Thinking we're better than other people. Let's pray together. God, I pray that we would do that. Lord, I know that my own righteousness is filthy rags. Anything that I do to attempt to be right with you, it's, it's disgusting in your sight. Oh God, I pray that we would have a deeper understanding of you, of what it means to be in a relationship with you. God, I pray for the one that's here this morning that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you and is counting on being a good person. Would they own up to that sin and confess it and come to know you and partake this morning? God, I pray for the Christian that's here that's living in pride and despair as they compare their lives to other people. God, I pray that they would 
compare themselves to you. I pray that I would do that. Oh God, I'm so tempted to do that in my own life. God, bless us now as we partake with you, as we think about your sacrifice on our behalf, what was required for us to enter the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.